the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Good day. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Joining me today, CFP Chad Burton, talking about income in retirement and or what life looks like in retirement and how much money you have coming to you, maybe is a better way of putting it. You know, we work from age 20 to 60, and my career is, it's starting, I'm not going to say it's in the twilight, but it's, it's more than halfway over, is it? Yeah, it's more than halfway over. I'm over 40. Um, and then you get to the point where like you retire and you stop having a job and you stop going to work and you have to have that income still there because you still want to go to Giants games. You still want to go to, you know, on vacation. You still want to get a new vehicle on occasion. You still want to fund some of your lifestyle. It's a critical thought. And, uh, it's one that I don't say lightly. It's, it kind of freaks me out. Let's talk about income in retirement with CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton. Mr. Black. My opening statement of I'm kind of freaked out, that has to be a common reoccurring theme that you hear from clients. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, if you don't want to go to Giants games, you don't want to travel, you don't want to, what do you want to do? My, mom, my mom is a, a shut-in. Right. Stays, stays at home, watches her stories on TV, right? Pretty much so. Stone Phillips. She, she gets kind of excited for him. You know what? I've heard that so many times. I think Stone Phillips is like the heartthrob of every female over 60. Okay. <laughs> they just love Stone Phillips, right? It kind of creeps me out. Okay. Good looking Good. guy. Because I don't, you know, when you describe things like brownies being moist, you don't want to <laughs> take that to your mom and Stone Phillips. No, you don't. <laughs> no, I'm you not don't. sure why you really just did that at all. <laughs> It's an Eddie Murphy joke. Okay. All right. Um, I don't know. One of the grandparents that he played, he played his own grandmother in a movie. Um, oh, uh, Mama? Big, Big Mama? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, okay. And uh, his character is like... No, that's not Eddie Murphy. That's that, somebody else. Ooh, that, who knows? That newscaster makes me... Well, you get the idea. Yeah, I gotcha. Okay. So, so my <laughs> mom... Starting off good. My mom is the opposite of what I want to be. Right. Which I, I actually think that's kind of parenting 101. Uh, my dad was in the military. None of his boys wanted to go to the military. My dad smoked. None of his boys wanted to smoke. My dad was a good decision maker, and all of us kind of became good decision takers, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I look at my mom and I'm like, I don't want to be a shut-in. That's my big fear. Yeah, and then part of it is prepping for that and picking up hobbies early in life and getting into things that you know eventually you want to spend more time in. So income in retirement, how much do you – I say on the air you have to have a million dollars to pay yourself $40,000 a year essentially till you die. Yeah, as long as you allocate correctly. Okay. Because if you don't, if you don't allocate correctly and your million dollars is way too aggressive, for example, and you go through even just a year or two of a you know tough stock market and you're still drawing on the way down – yeah. You won't recover. Everybody that was properly diversified in 2007 and had cash to live off of for the next couple of years while the market went through what it did, and a lot of people in March of 2009 thought the market would never recover. Right. Um, and I, I don't even think maybe you and I sat in March of 2009 and thought it would recover that quickly. I did. Okay. You know why? Because <laughs> it has before. No, because I believe in capitalism, and if I don't believe in that, it's basically I become an atheist. If my whole faith goes so Capitalism in, is your God? It kind of is. Yeah. And if not, we're screwed. Yeah. In my opinion. I think businesses do the right thing. I think they fire people when they have to. Right. I think they fire people when they can. I, I don't think businesses are nice. No, and, you know, everybody talks about the currency issues, too. And it's like almost any of these large corporations have a currency hedge, almost their own trading desk. Right. You know what I mean? So that, that's an issue now, too. We're dealing with a strong U.S. dollar. Um, I like some international investments that can hedge against that. Right. But at the same time, a lot of companies in the SP 500 have a lot of business coming from overseas, so they know how to hedge it. They do. Um, they're not stupid. No. So they've been. They know this, their risks. They've been to this. If room you and before. I know this, the risks, and we're sitting in this room. Yeah. They know their risks, and, and they're probably smarter than us. Probably. Well, no, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I think so. So every now and then I'm like, I'm totally wowed by someone's job. Like I met a guy from at Intel who's in charge of their mobile processors. And he asked me the question and he, like, he, he, he was super intense. And I'm like, good God, this guy's smart. That's the thing that I love about living in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. I went to a party recently and I told the hostess, I'm like, I'm, there's like eight guys and eight women. I'm like, I'm the dumbest guy in this room. And she goes, yeah, you are. <laughs> Because this guy was a CFO, this guy was a chip engineer, this guy was like, it was pretty intimidating, and it's something I absolutely love about the Bay Area. Yeah, especially because, you know, I started, first year in college, I was majoring in engineering and math, I thought that's what I wanted to do, because I had that analytical type of a mind. Luckily, I got into this business, because it's what I love, because there's still a lot of, you know, analysis to what I do, obviously, but now that I look back at that and think of the people that I started off with the first year in those colleges and they're designing chips and things like that. It's impressive. It's really impressive. I don't, you know, I haven't invented something. Some of these people I know have, and that's, that's intimidating. The nicest thing about her comment though, was the follow-up. She goes, you're also probably the wealthiest person in this room, which again, just because you're an engineer, just because you're smart, just because Mm -hmm. you make a lot of money, doesn't mean you save money. You know, uh, I, I say things out loud, like I'm going to get a Tesla when I'm 50. I'm planning, you know, years and years and years out for a nice vehicle mm-hmm. while I drive probably the rattiest vehicle on the planet yeah, right now. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. My dad. This is you, you do need to trade that in for a minivan. Shut up. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is worthy of note. Uh, my dad. And how close we become to our dads. Like, you know, I, I, I started this off by saying, like, we do the opposite of our fathers. So we do, you know, we are, we are, we assign ourselves, our, our belief systems based on, you know, whether we liked or disliked. But my dad was a smoker. Mm-hmm. And 
and uh, my first car was a Chevette, which is fantastic to think about, right? Was it one he smoked in? Yes. Did he pass it down to you? Oh, yeah. Nice. So That's good for dates. Um, I called it the smoke mobile. <laughs> so one of the very first weekends that I actually, quote unquote, owned the vehicle, um, I, I washed it out and like literally like, you know, taking a white rag to it, it would turn brown, like yeah. grotesquely. And the water would be like black yeah. that I was using. So it was called the smoke wheel. The best part about the vet, the Chevette, was I got license tags that said my vet. And people with Corvettes hated me because <laughs> they have a nice car that's their vet. And I had a Chevette. And I thought it was a good sense of humor. Yeah. Is there uh, a lot of Corvettes where you lived? <laughs> no, no, no. But I, I so there's one guy in your town that hated you. So per- the one guy that okay, hated you. So I'm embellishing <laughs> just a bit. But don't let the facts get away from the story. Uh, <laughs> now, one of the things about the Chevette, and this is a great memory of mine, is when I, you could tell I started caring about money. I was like 16, 17 years old. And it was parked on the road um, in front of the house. And I think a drunk driver hit like three cars that night. And he hit my car. And he hit the back panel, the side panel, and the front panel. And it got, quote, unquote, totaled. And I was stoked because my insurance had covered that. Mm-hmm. So I basically got like $2,500 for a $500 car. <laughs> and then, of course, I just bonda the whole thing. I'm like, <laughs> bonda is not, bonda's not the best fix, especially when you're 16, 17 years old. So um, sometimes the bonda would fall off. Yeah, yeah. Not good. But it was a good financial lesson. Like, I made money off my insurance that year. Like, I felt like I hit a jackpot. And you probably sold it as a clean title later, too. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> you and your clean title stuff. Just because you grew up in, like, the Texas Mafia doesn't mean I grew up in the Texas Mafia. <laughs> you gang person. Anyway, it's CFP Chad Burton. We're talking about, believe it or not, income and retirement. We'll pick up this conversation. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. There's some great downloadables at newfocusfinancial.com. So on occasion, CFP Chad Burton graces me with his presence. And the nice thing about it is we get to talk about investing. And he and I have an odd way of doing it, to say the least. Um, it's very circular. It, it doesn't always hit the point on the head, but it always comes back to it. Talking about retirement and income. And, you know, <laughs> Just laughing because you and I have an odd way. I guess when we're together, we do for sure. Oh my God! You're so straight and boring. Like your show, <laughs> your show puts me to sleep. It, that's why I, you know, two days live it puts me to sleep too. But again, it's good information. But you're more the professor type, and mm-hmm. I think when we get together, we're kind of like at a bar conversation. Right. It's a little bit off the record, but it's oddly enough. So you're the one that wants to be a professor when you retire from this. Yeah, yeah. But I haven't figured out professor of what. Like I'm still, I'm still tinkering with that. Like. Yeah. 
I could, you know, use some writing skills. I could use some like like painting issues, and mm-hmm. um, I don't think I want to teach money. Maybe you know, confidence, business. Like, no, we have yeah. a guy here who went to a business coach. Um, radio. <laughs> this is a good story. Radio <laughs> tragically <laughs> underemploys people. Right. Not only do they give them not a living wage, but they also give them, you know, like if you work two, hours, they give you two hours. You're not working eight hours a day. You're working two hours a day, and they're going to make sure to the point that like corporate office will call you up and like, yeah, I see that you were on for two hours and 15 minutes. Um, can you explain that extra 15 minutes? And like, okay. So he went to see a business coach um, to basically get his, his profile out there and like learn how to get a better job. I don't know if he wants me talking about this on the air, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the business coach is like, yeah, so I'm going to invest in you and like, you're going to see the value of you. And, well, long story short... He, she had he, no advice. It was more of a... He, wa- he walked out of the meeting quickly. Yeah. So, Which I think is pretty fair. Like, one of the biggest regrets that I have is that I didn't network as well as I could have in my 20s or my college years. Like, I didn't do a frat, but now I see the value of being in a fraternity. Right. A, you get to rape women, and B, you get to network. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, my God. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> See, oh yeah, there's that story that goes around now that colleges hide. Do you have, have you developed Tourette's over the years? Because I think that. <laughs> well, see, I, I, okay. I get your joke. It's, he's joking, people. I'm joking. He's joking. And, but wait, like, um, in some of the articles I've been reading about the whole rape culture thing in colleges, the reason why colleges covered up is that they don't want to be known as the rape college. Like UVA got into a lot of heat for a Rolling Stone article that ultimately was proved incorrect. But the, the dean, when you know interviewing the rape victims, they don't want to be known as the rape college because then no girls are going to apply to that college, or no dads going to let their daughters apply to that college. So it's yeah. real, it's it's surreal what cover up we do and how we don't protect women. And you know I'm all about protecting women. Yeah. Women outlive men. I think women need to be better investors than men, smarter investors. And I typically think they are. Um, is they're better shoppers, and you got to shop for stocks. I mean, you have to have your list. Right. In fact, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day when they're asking, how much cash should I have? And I'm not talking about, okay, if you're a family, right, six months worth of expenses is minimum cash requirements. So that if both of you lose your job or you get sick or whatever, you have right. you know, at least six months if you're in tech sales, which is a type of a job that tends to, you know, transfer jobs every two years, yeah. it's just kind of a rotation situation, um, a year, because sometimes you go for longer periods of unemployment. Um, but in your portfolio, you kind of always want to accumulate 1% to 5% in cash. That's your shopping list, so that when the market corrects, you're already prepared to go shopping. Right. So, it's yeah, it's just a, stock buying is a form of shopping. You do your research. Right now, we all shop. We we find a product we like. We see if it's cheaper on Amazon, right? What are the reviews on Amazon? And you know what's interesting about Amazon is they don't always have the cheapest prices anymore. Mm -hmm. Did you know that Amazon will change the price if you're using the Apple OS versus a Microsoft OS? I did not know that. Like they're they're tinkering in funny ways, like um, to figure out who their best buyers are. Well, or is that to get them to use the Amazon products to buy their? To be well, shopping all the time with their phone or... If you're using a tablet, the theory is that they want you as a customer because you're kind of like that wild card who's in bed shopping. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're using a desktop computer, you're kind of old and stodgy. So you're going to get a higher price per se mm. because you're only likely to come back on occasion. 
versus if you're on your tablet. They want that that impulse while you're in bed, right before you fall asleep, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get it. I mean, once you start using it a lot, it's nice to have things delivered right to your door. So it's it's pretty addictive, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm surprised their competition doesn't come out and like get Amazon Prime and then like get a two cent sticker sent to you and a two cent sticker sent to you and a two cent sticker like. I'm really surprised like people don't really screw with that system. Yeah. Um, of which, did you know that Amazon now, if you have Prime and you choose five-day delivery, they'll give you a dollar in credit. Okay. So, like, Good to know. I got a light bulb. I had to get light bulbs recently. I know Those are expensive. Light bulbs? Yeah, especially LED, which is you know what everybody's kind of going to now. Some, it's not cheap. Some inventors come up with a, an LED light bulb that will last 40 years. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I don't know why I like that story. It's bad for their business, though, right? I mean, you're, it's not a lot of repeat. Yeah, that's um, fair. Okay, I'm with you. Um, but with that being said, um, I, I'm addicted to Amazon Prime. Yeah. I don't think I could live without it, that two-day delivery, because I don't like people. I don't like going to the stores. So did you see um, you know, Radio Shack recently basically kind of imploded because people don't like going to stores anymore? That's right. Yeah, that's, and the reason why you go to Radio Shack is for that odd cord that you need. You know, I've always said, if anyone ever sees me in a radio shack, I'll give them the $10,000. Like, <laughs> You've never, ever been. <laughs> I, I won't go, because I'm afraid of that $10,000 pledge. I've been probably twice in the last 10 years, and they were for really odd chords. Like, going to a presentation, and the projector was different. It didn't have the same fitting, so I needed so like a, so back something to, to an HDMI. Back to women investing. Yeah. As a planner, do you sit down with a couple and go, like, okay, you're a little bit overweight, dude. You're probably going to pass before her. You really need to think about... What happens to in life after death for you, for her? Yeah, I mean, one of the first steps that we take before you determine asset allocation, you know, besides risk tolerance, everybody does risk, does risk tolerance, and we use two programs to try to really get to how do people deal with market fluctuations. But yeah. before you even get into that, how much cash you have and how much income your portfolio needs to generate, um, Social Security is a huge part of that. Okay. And so determining when you take Social Security, if you can tell me exactly when you're going to die, I can tell you exactly how to take it. But nobody can. So you do have to make the educated guess. How long did your parents live? What are your health issues now? Because there's so many things you can do in terms of uh, file and suspend strategies and spousal benefits that you know I give examples in these events that we do where between taking it from age 62 for a couple versus doing a file and suspend strategy and then both switching at 70 – you're talking $270,000 of difference of pulling money out of Social Security over a lifetime. A lot of money. Yeah. So, a lot of money, especially when you're not working. That's a hell of a lot of money. So it's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online. All sorts of downloadables. 10 things you need to know about your incentive stock options. 12 tax return mistakes. 10 pillars of retirement income planning. How much money do you need to retire? These are all downloadables at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And again, for the record, I love women. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. 
on a time, or at times, I'll say just crazy stuff, and I know that I'm saying crazy stuff, but my, you know, my point is to get the pop culture reference right in the face, so to speak. One of the things I like to do is to sit down with CFP Chad Burton, because he and I are kind of different people. Is it fair to say, Mr. Burton, that we probably would not be friends in real life if we didn't have a work association with each other? Uh, You're not outdoorsy guy. I'm kind of an introvert. Well, we, I mean, we met through business, but yeah, yeah, it, we like we maybe. appreciate each other. I mean, you're, you're, I don't you're, sit down long enough to make new friends. You're a pleasant <laughs> enough guy, and, and that's the point. I like to sit down. So. <laughs> I rarely sit down. So you're a bit of an outdoorsy type. Um, so one of the things that I was talking about, and again, total joke about the whole fraternity thing, but networking. That's something mm. I kind of wish. You know, now we have cell phones. When I started business, you know, we didn't even have cell phones. We had personal digital assistants, oh, PDAs. Do you remember the PDA? Yeah, the Palm Pilot. The Palm Pilot. I actually still have one in a drawer. Oh, I, I would love that because they started... The Palm get, Pilot and the, the Palm first phone. Right. The Palm Pilot eventually got wireless access, mm-hmm. and the functionality of it is, is inane. Like, kids listening to the show right now don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. Do you remember going to a cell phone or a, a phone booth? Like, I remember putting in 25 cents to pay for a phone call, and it used to be 10 cents when I was a kid. How about this? How long, if you would have gone to an arcade, how long would it have taken you to blow 20 bucks if your parents would have given you, if they would have ever given you $20 to go to an arcade? As a kid? Yeah. Oh, that would have been like all day. I know. It takes kids now at an arcade. A couple hours. An hour. An hour, yeah. Just crazy. Yeah, it's, that's when you get the real idea of inflation. Okay. When you that's, do that's stuff that you would have liked to have done when you were a kid, yeah. and I remember five bucks at a pizza place would have lasted me all day. Yeah. I, I'll give you like a personal perspective on it. Remember when Dragonstar came out? Oh, yeah. Um, a horrible the first video. Like, real kind of story-type video game, right? A cartoon, Probably not the first one, but... A cartoon, first. laser-disc-driven video game. Right. It's tough to say. Dirk was the good guy. Yeah, yeah. It didn't even work very well, right? <laughs> no, it didn't work terribly well. And you had, like, if a light would flash and you'd jump forward. I mean, you you had four basic movements, you know, forward, backwards, left, right, and then you could pull your sword. But the female chick in that, do you remember how hot she was? No. It was a cartoon character, and it's dragons there, and you're trying to save a princess. And I remember as, a, like, a 12-year-old kid just being enamored, like, she's hot. Okay, Colonel added her back on. Well, all right. Now, okay, let's bring this back to money. We were going to talk about retirement. I don't think we have yet. Inflation. Yeah. Video games. Um, yeah, I got a couple more disclosures on that, too. I, I used to steal money from, from my family to play video games. <laughs> play video games? Yeah. Did you ever do that? Um, I don't what's, know if I lived close enough to a video game place. So. I, lived on, I was on military bases. Oh, okay. Which um, Probably had some arcades in there. Yeah, there's kind of small cities, kind of the way of looking at it. They try to provide everything for military soldiers, and you know, my dad was a colonel, so I kind of had an upper-class living on a military base, which um, if you were an officer, you got treated really, really good. And if you were a non-commissioned officer, you got the respect of all the officers. So, like, I don't know. It was, it was interesting to say the least. Great way to be raised. I got to see the world. Okay. But inflation is an issue. I mean, you've got extremely low inflation for the last decade. And is that the, true? The, yeah. I mean, no. the, the people that face the most inflation right now are healthcare costs, which most of that is paid 
when you're a senior citizen. I mean, if you think, look at things like uh, dental costs and dental insurance and retirement, it doesn't make it, you know, some dental people, costs for me are inflating. Absolutely. Well, yeah, because I mean, dental insurance, if you're an individual, if you're not covered with a group plan, individual dental insurance is children, worthless. From everyone I talk to, children are more expensive now than ever before, mm-hmm. um, especially in the Bay Area because there's shortcomings in the public school system. So Private parents school. are asked, like, hey, pony up some money. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I don't know if inflation is not a big issue for the average person because I know it's a big issue for retirees. And I know, yes, I got a 55-inch TV for less than I did 10 years ago. Right. So there's no inflation in my TV costs, but I feel like there's inflation. There is some, but it's still fairly low in okay. terms of history. I mean, if you look at the 80s, I mean, it's very low. In the Bay Area, rental inflation out of the roof. Yeah. I'm talking about more globally. Though. Well, okay. I mean, you know, people in the Bay Area tend to get so caught up in everybody's going to want this technology or that technology or it's this way everywhere. It's, you know, it, this is the eighth largest economy in the world, but it's not exactly all of America in terms of representative of it. The issue is that things return to the mean. I'm a big believer in that. Okay. And that's why... Um, oil prices go up, oil prices go down, gas right. prices $4, gas prices $2. Inflation will tend to run 3 3.5% over your lifetime, minimum. So if you go through a decade or two of low inflation, we will eventually see a decade or two of high inflation. And it's pretty evident of that, that you know this printing of money around the world is an experiment. This bond buying, this inflation of the Federal Reserve balance sheet, the ECB balance sheet, it... There, it will likely cause inflation in the future, and that's a good thing because that means everything will have come into a growth phase. So the opposite of that is deflation. That's the concerns of Europe right now. Yeah. And so we actually do want inflation. That means we're back up to normal GDP growth globally, and, and uh, we have wage inflation, which has been non-existent. You want Goldilocks inflation. I would love Goldilocks inflation. Not too hot, not too cold. Right. Just right. Yep. A little bit here in rents, a little bit here. In as long as we have inflation wages. with wage inflation at the same time, that's mm. a good thing because that means we get the middle class back to earning a decent wage. Mm. I'm not so sure I can, I'm concerned about the middle class now. I've got a very much so let them eat cake attitude. Yeah. And you can, too. If you can separate your, your uh, I guess, feelings on what you would want to have happen versus an investor. Yeah. Because... And everyone let's, knows let's I'm say Once again, ladies and gentlemen, Rob Black is kidding. <laughs> Thank you very much. Just post that. I love the middle class. All right. Well, anyways, you have to separate what's going on just in the U.S. and just with the middle class from the companies themselves that sell things globally. Right? It's not necessarily tied. It's not as fully correlated to the middle class as it used to be okay. when it's a global economy. So we we are likely in for long periods of time where GDP is under 4%, but yet stocks can still move forward because there's growth in other areas of the world. Like countries like India and um, Philippines, they're going to benefit from lower oil prices if they stay low. Yeah. For example, there's always places to find growth. Okay, I'm with you on that. Yeah. So you would, would you ever invest in the Philippines? Um, when it comes to international investing, okay. I don't like the country-specific ETFs. Okay. Why is uh, that? Well, first of all, they think because... India looks attractive. It does, and you'll probably get it to all tides rising, but when are you going to know to sell that? And how do you know that every single stock in that index is good? I would rather have you know, individual managers with boots on the ground in those places that do the research on the actual companies themselves and maybe pick 50 to 100 versus 1,000 different companies in India, all of which may not be good, right? So I, I like the more managed approach. The ETFs that I do tend to use overseas are either a dividend growth bend or a currency hedged 
okay. thing. And I know, you know, if the dollar strength weakens, I'd turn around and have to sell those. It's just I don't like to be the guesser of which economy is doing better. I don't think that really is going to pay off over time. But the, the managers do it. The guesser? The guesser? Is that is a that, new word? It's part of my strategy. <laughs> it's part of your strategy. <laughs> um, now, Matthew's funds. It's more better. Matthew's funds, Bay Area company. Uh-huh. They seem to have like kind of a nice India fund, a nice China fund, a nice Asia Asia dividend fund. growth. Yeah. Do you like those funds? Or are they or are they too many cost tied towards them? I do, but I, I I still tend to prefer more of a diversified. Okay. Because emerging markets change so much in terms of when oil prices are high, and commodity prices are high, which countries are doing better, versus dollar strength, which means exporters are doing better. So I would rather have a manager be able to pick and choose the areas that are benefiting from what's going on politically, currency-wise, uh, commodity-wise. Yeah. There's some stuff that like you and I just – we don't have a lot of concept of, and maybe you have more than me, so I won't put words in your mouth. But like when oil crashed in 2015 mm-hmm. and through the late part of 2014, uh, the president of Venezuela, um, he had one of those let-them-eat-cake moments where people in Venezuela were waiting six to nine days – in line to get food at supermarkets because of hyperinflation because mm-hmm. their whole economy is oil-driven. Yep. Um, yep. And he said, yeah, I don't think they're really standing in lines. I stood in line to go see my favorite sports team this weekend. And you're like, ooh, you're not the connected. right thing to say. <laughs> you stood in line to watch a sporting event and people are standing in line to get food. Are you at all worried? Like um, maybe – and, you know, the whole Brazil, Russia, India, and China – uh, Brazil and Russia have kind of blown up mm-hmm. because they have too much reliance on oil and per se. Um, do you ever worry, like, that was a good story for four or five years, the BRIC countries. Um, now it's just the ick countries. Now it's just yeah. And of which I, I, I've always said this, and I'll say this again, I like India the most. Yeah. I think but. they've got the most modern roads. I think they've got the most modern colleges. Um, well, they need a lot of infrastructure issues, and they have to deal with their corruption. If if that's the case where you don't have so many levels of paying the the guy down the street for one service, you know, for the right to you're having to pay your you know meter reader for your house on water. I mean, there's a lot of levels of corruption that have to be dealt with. So as the younger generation comes up, hopefully that will change. But India also doesn't have like that oil dependence as far as the economy well, they, goes. I mean, they they do, but they don't have the they don't have the ability to produce it. So that's who benefits from lower yeah. oil prices is, I think, what you're going towards. I, think, I don't know where I'm going. Me neither. Where, <laughs> where are we? Yeah. Income and retirement. This is going to be a great show. We've got oh, wait, wait. We just did a whole segment on inflation, I think. <laughs> okay, good. You're right. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. You can find Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Lots of great downloadables at his website and things you need to know about incentive stock options, investment stakes, income and retirement. You can get them at newfocusfinancial.com. Hour talking about what does life look like in retirement, as far as income goes, as far as lifestyle goes, and you know, I'm 
totally aware that sometimes I say things that are upsetting, but it's almost tragic to look at my mother, who, you know, she was with my father for 40 years, and then he has a stroke, and, well, he had a heart attack, and he had cancer, and put him in the ground shortly thereafter. She's had to live 20 years now. 20 years. That's crazy. My dad died over 20 years ago, and she's lived by herself for 20 years off his pension. Greatest thing he ever did was join the military and stay in for 30 years because it gave her a great pension. Not a lot of retirement assets, but a great pension. Um, Mr. Burton, let's talk a little bit about, you know, I was telling you during the break, like I'm probably going to take off some time in March to visit my mother. And I'm at the point now where like, she can go any weekend. Like she can, any day now she can go. Um, I don't think there's a story there. I think it comes back down to, again, let's go backwards a bit and say, like, that pension's, you know, saved her life, per se. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of pensions out there anymore. No. And definitely not high-quality ones. It's it's very rare that we, yeah, let's say, in terms of the amount of new clients we take in each year, I think I, we did maybe two pension maximization analysis last year. That's where you determine, you know, there's all sorts of options that people have when they get their pension. 100% survivor. Nothing goes to your spouse. Fifty percent goes to your spouse. And the idea there is, can you take a hundred percent survivor and use the difference between, you know, a hundred percent survivor and no survivor? There's a, usually a, quite a bit of money per month that is different, and use that to go buy life insurance. Yeah. So that when you pass away, your pension is replaced by a large tax-free sum of money to your spouse. Or if you both pass away, your heirs actually get something. Because on a pension, your kids don't get anything. It's only your spouse. So if you both pass away early, company wins. And that used to happen all the time. That's why pensions were so prevalent because they would they, they know their they knew their odds back then. So they created yeah. these pensions and a good majority of the people would die before their life expectancy and they would win and they were overfunded. And then people started living longer and re, and working longer. And so um and now bond rates are extremely low, so it's hard for these plans to make their projections. And that's why they're gone. That's why you don't see him anymore. One of my friends, her father was a school teacher, and he basically got fed up. At one point in time, he got disciplined for maybe spanking a kid or talking tough to a kid. I don't even know the details, but it was something along those lines, and he's like, I'm done. So he quit his job after 20 years. Mm -hmm. Had he stayed 30 years, it would have been a great pension, Mm. but basically 20 years is okay. Um, It's that pride thing. I know, right? But that's also something you have you probably deal with is a lot of people like I'm going to do this and I'm I'm set and determined to do this and like sometimes set and determined creates a bad financial decision. No, we get a lot of hey, you know, I know I'm making a lot of money now, but I'm totally miserable. And people kind of focus a bit more on balance in life now than they used to, which is a good thing. I don't I don't agree. I I think you should. We you and I talk about that once in a while. But uh, it took me a long time to really make sure that okay. If I have the balance in life, when I go back to work, I'm much more focused. Okay. Um, and so I, we have these plans quite often where I know I'm making a lot of money. I know you think I'm crazy, but I'm leaving. I can't do this anymore. Um, and either they don't like the people they work with, they don't like their boss, they're just bored with their job, they're not challenged anymore. I'm going to go take a pay cut, but I'm going to be happy. I'm going to go teach high school math, something like that. You know. And, and so how long do I have to do this for? Please tell me you've never heard of a, like a Google engineer quitting the job. To- HP engineer okay. teaches math. Really? A client. A client does. And it's extremely happy. Loves it. 
loves teaching kids math. Able to make ends meet? Because that's, well, that's got to be a They saved appropriately yeah. before that. Okay. You know, and so and we're able to retire early. And this was a situation, too, where it wasn't necessarily um, a chosen retirement. It was when HP was doing initially a lot of the, the kind of yeah. severance package office sure. offers where he had this office that was offer that was so good. It's like you've got you got to take this because you could go get a job somewhere else. Additional input into the 401k, a couple years worth of pay. It was a nice lump sum, and it able it was allowed him to go do something that he liked to do more. So one of my favorite scenes in movie history is the Pee Wee Herman movie, the Pee Wee Herman movie, mm-hmm. and um, he's in a hotel and he's talking with his girlfriend, and the 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 hotel pages him because he's got a phone call. And he goes, Page and P.W. Herman, Page and P.W. Herman, and it's him paging himself <laughs> off camera. I don't know why I like that. But with that being said, we've got a phone call from Will in San Jose. Hi, Rob. I have a quick question for you regarding uh, my CFP. I've had a CFP for the last two years, and he's, the performance has been around 8 or 9% versus the market, which has done a lot better than that. What is the best way to measure the performance of your CFP, and what, what should I be expecting this performance to be? I do the salt lick test. <laughs> Lick his forehead. Lick his forehead and see if it's how salty it is. That's me. This is a issue too. It sounds like if you've done about eight percent, you probably have a balanced portfolio where you have some international. You might have a little bit of fixed income, some small cap, some large cap. Where, where you talk about the overall stock market, it is the the double digit numbers that you're talking about is just the S and P 500. And if a person has just a portfolio of just the S and P 500. Yeah, you were great last year, but that could be one of the worst places to be in the next year. So that sounds like it's just a balanced portfolio. And I think that's what people under, just don't understand. When you go through five years of positive returns in one asset class, when it's typically three, yeah. um, that can rotate at any time. And so it's you don't want just a portfolio that's just S&P 500. All you're investing in is the S&P 500. We talked about this before. Right now, some of the most overweighted stocks in the S&P 500 because it's a cap-weighted index. Chevron, Exxon, J.P. Morgan, some of the companies that are going to get hurt from low interest rates and high oil prices, or I mean, high, low interest rates and low oil prices. It's easy for you to say. So, yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like you're dealing with more of a balanced portfolio. So you need to make sure that you know what you're comparing your portfolio against and net of fees, how are they doing against that benchmark? Thank you, Will. Thank you, Chad. CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. You can listen to a show here every day, Monday through Friday from 12 to 1. and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network. 
presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Ooh. Got an interesting show for you today. I'm Rob Black, talking about investing and more. Sitting with me, CFP Chad Burton. Remember that phrase, if I only knew now, if I only knew then what I know now, Takes you back to your early 20s and early 30s. What a great investor you would have been knowing now, then. You could have, like, made tons of money. Yeah, it's, um, I think I was taught and learned well early on. But for most people, that's true. I think the difference is that it's so much cheaper now to invest. It's so much easier for people to get started. Okay. Mutual funds that I got in the business... There was, you know, there was Vanguard, but most of the funds that were out there were you know, charging more than one percent per year to essentially mirror an underperforming index. One five, one seven five. Yeah, on the and most people would have to go to a, a commission-based person at a bank or a brokerage firm and Loaded. pay a load to get in, or a B-share mutual fund, which had fees of around two percent a year for ten years. Are they still used? Oh yeah, very okay. a, a lot less. I mean, the fastest-growing financial product is ETFs, exchange-traded funds, which are essentially index funds that trade like a stock. But now it's kind of going the opposite direction. There's all these managed ETFs that are coming out, and it's starting to get to be a bit confusing for people. What do you mean? It's just when when you're inundated with more and more product, people think, oh, it's new. It must be better. Okay. It's not. It's almost like mutual fund companies reinventing the wheel and just calling their fund an ETF and being able to charge more for it. I remember in my early 20s, I was fascinated by pro shares. Mm-hmm. Like, ooh, you can get three times the market rate of return. I'm like... That's awesome because I'll be in the market for 40 years and the market goes up seven out of 10 years. And then like you get into them and they're like, why am I losing money? Or why am I break even at best? And I'm not up three times the market. Those are made for day traders. They're not a long term. I'm not even talking about a week long hold because if you have to get out during a market event and you're hedged the wrong way with an inverse or a double leveraged fund, the trading uh, moves between the here's what I'm looking at on the screen. Right. And then once you finally sell it, the, the actual offer that you get is drastically different. So those things really can hurt people. I, I just tell people, steer away from those at all costs. So one of the things we're talking about here is knowing now, had we known now what we were doing then, we, I mean, we become better investors with time. It just gets you a little bit more experience. You've been through a, a, a correction. You've been through a recession or two. I mean, recessions are normal and healthy events in my mm-hmm. mind, yep. but a recession in media, in financial media, on television, you would almost say I'm, I'm saying, like, pulling a Kramer and saying the N-word. Like, people don't want to hear the word recession. They, yeah. There's bad associations with it. Well, especially if you're in retirement. But you and I, recessions, we know they, they come every three to five years. No, for the record, I, when I say Kramer, I'm not talking Jim Kramer. I'm talking Michael Richards, Kramer from Seinfeld. Yeah. Who got into all that trouble for freaking out. Yes, we have a financial show. We definitely have to be careful. (laughs) What we say there, for sure. Especially since we have people from thestreet.com on all the time. Oh, my Um, phones came off. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's something that that's a good time to go shopping during a recession. That's when companies get lean and mean and can reinvent themselves. 
So knowledge is, is pretty important in your 30s. Like you've now got five, 10 years experience of doing your 401k, which is how most people should start. Yeah. You know, I, I find that some of my listeners are like, what stock should I buy? I'm like, just max out your 401k. Yeah. Go home and make love to your wife and max out your 401k and shut up and stop there. Don't try to be Mr. Smarty Pants picking oh, a cybersecurity stock. Okay, the president's getting ready to give the State of the Union speech on cybersecurity or something like that, right? And I want to get in front of that. I want to own a cybersecurity stock. Sounds like a pretty good idea. Mm-hmm. It doesn't play out that way. Even when it does, you're lucky, but it usually doesn't. Um, so in your 30s, also another adv- piece of advice I have. Okay, so max out your 401k. Don't buy individual stocks until you have at least $100,000, and then buy one okay. stock. Um, and then make that stock Nike or Disney or Apple or, or something you feel very, very comfortable that will okay. be okay in five years. Make the trade and then make the call and make sure the dividends are being reinvested. I've made that mistake before, mm-hmm. where I didn't hit Depends the on box what, that says reinvest the dividends. And, and some don't have the box. You actually have to call afterwards. Okay. So um, I think TD Ameritrade has fixed that on the retail side, where you, there is a box now. But, um, you know, where I found that out, because I use TD Ameritrade on the institutional side for accounts. for and, and as a firm, since we're constantly rebouncing and trading, we don't reinvest dividends. Because right. we want the dividends that we get to be able to add to the proper asset class or stock or ETF at the time of the rebalance. But younger people, it's key to have that free trade happening on your ETFs and your stocks. And so just make sure that if you're going in buying some of the the ETFs, there's so many free ETFs now. So in your 30s, I want to get back to some general good advice for 30-year-olds, maybe late 30s, Mm -hmm. maybe late 20s. But advance your career. I think that's the number one thing that I can tell people because you still have – you know, you work from age 20 to 60, and if you're 31, 32, 33, you still have, like, a lot of career left. Right. Um, any thoughts on advancing your career, whether it's, you know, going back to school, whether it's, you know, identifying jobs that, you know, are higher paying. Um, it's part of my financial plan is to maximize your earnings. Well, yeah, I mean, I think if you take some steps and look at it, you, you go, no matter what situation you have, you want to do two things, and that's get enough you know, cash on the sidelines to get through a tough time, three to six months of cash. If you think you might spend it, if you see it, in other words, if you see it on your online bank and it's on your phone and you might spend it, stick it in cash in your freezer or under your mattress or something. It's your safety reserves that you do not touch unless it's an emergency, unless your, you know, refrigerator goes out and you need a new, you know, that that kind of an emergency situation. You're disabled for a short period of time because you broke your leg snowboarding, something like that. Um, then also make sure you're doing enough into the 401k to get the match. The next steps that you take are kind of a combination of pay off any non-mortgage debt. Get rid of it. So as long as you're maxing out the 401k, which is essentially doubling your money on the match, I mean, not maxing it out, putting enough in to get the match. That's such a huge return on your money that will add up so quickly. It will actually get you addicted to systematic savings and compound interest. Um, get rid of the debt. And then start investing in yourself if you're not making as much money as you want. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a four- or five-year college, right? It has. It, there's so many online education options that high-tech companies are looking for now that they they um, put as much weight to as they do a college degree. So definitely invest in yourself and say, okay, I'm not making enough to save more, so how do I invest in myself? Stop wasting your money on trading programs. Stop going to a seminar that, that you know, 
You're going to learn how to borrow other people's money and leverage out real estate and be rich that way. You know what I see a lot of the Bay Area? That. <laughs> no, I, I see the husband, and this is totally sexist of me, but I see it. The husband's the engineer at Google. The wife wants to contribute, so she starts doing kind of like Amway kind of stuff, selling makeup or selling some sort of product that you have to buy into, and mm. it's it never works. And they lose all their friends. <laughs> Pretty much so. Ugh, those people are yeah. so annoying. <laughs> so annoying. Yeah. And sometimes they'll like get you into a meeting and you don't know that you just got roped into a coffee where you're going to get pitched something. Yeah. It happened to me like two years ago. You still friends with that person? Not really. Yeah. I mean, it was somebody that I actually, somebody that I was kind of a, a mentor in high school for wrestling. Okay. And they got this isn't like that Steve Carell movie, is it? No, I haven't even seen that yet. Fox I really want to. I really want yeah, to. It's kind of creepy. You know that's the, actually the mentor is kind of creepy. Ugh, that's he is very creepy. But they they had there was that weird relationship that the movie portrayed that didn't happen in real life that the guy got really upset about. But I think it happened. <laughs> See, that's the why people are so upset about it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There you are defending people it. People that knew the, you know, oh, yeah. Anyways, I do want to see it. Takes one to know one. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> wait, wait, what's that say about me? It, I, it's just because I'm wearing my singlet right now. That's why you you're can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Having a casual conversation with CFP Chad Burton about being in your 30s and where you should be mentally. And he kind of gets ahead of me at times where I, I said, you know, advance your career. And then suddenly he's like, say, have two to six months of emergency money kind of thing. Um, I think in your 30s, you also like kind of want to start thinking about your budget and what it means. Um, I remember Mr. Burton, you know, not too long ago, I was dating someone who was 30 years old. And when we broke up, I saw on Facebook that her new boyfriend took her to Mexico. Her new boyfriend took her to New York. Her new boyfriend took her to Thailand. I'm like, she's really spending a lot of money. Like she wasn't doing that with me. Um, budgeting kind of, you mature with a budget, don't you? Or as you mature, your budget changes and you start saying like, oh boy, I should be saving money for a house. And oh, like some of the bigger issues kind of start coming in focus. Yeah, you know, there's so many things that you do on your own. I mean, if we look back to, say, when we got into this business, 22 years ago for me, yeah, and people could only put like 2000 into an IRA. Yeah. It was maxed out on 401ks at 10% of income. Okay. So people needed advisors a lot sooner. Now there's so many things that you can do on your own. And you should never have to go in and pay somebody to do a budget. Now there are companies out there like LearnVest, for example. Yeah. That's kind of an online planning, budgeting help. Yeah. And it kind of blows me away that people can't look at their own budget and realize that they're spending too much money on going out to eat, on going to the bars or whatever. I don't think people can. I don't feel I was capable at age 24. If you don't have enough money left at the end of the month to pay your rent, and but, you and you went out and you spent six bucks a drink on know, Saturday night, <laughs> there's an issue. Do you know how much great sex and love that I got because I flew a girl to Miami in my 20s. Like, 
I will honestly admit, and I'll raise my hand, if I could take back every dime I spent on a woman, I'd probably have two, two plus million dollars had I invested it versus hadn't blown it on like trying to woo a woman. Like I think you're that 20s, amount of money. Who, what dating service were you using, and was it legal? <laughs> no, like, I almost wish I was born today because Tinder people oh are hooking up. People are hooking up for no cash. But back in the day, you had to woo the woman. You had to like fly her somewhere romantic. I've got to assume that because of Tinder, like we're gonna have this re flourishing of like big AIDS epidemic outbreak and just I kind of hope it so. is unreal how yeah. easy it would be if you're in your 20s and 30s no comment oh it's crazy so um so rethinking your budget like in your 20s it, discretionary money I mean it's discretion that's that's one of the reasons advertisers focus on 8 to 25 year olds because they know they will fly off to Costa Rica for a vacation when they probably can't afford it so rethink your budget. Just mature a little bit. Um, I was telling producer during the commercial break, you know, we were talking about friends who sell like Amway and kind of stuff like that. Right. Um, I had a Facebook friend who's gorgeous, on Jeanette. And you could clearly tell that she was going through a divorce. Single mom. Mm-hmm. And she instantly got into selling like nutritional drinks. Yep. And then the next set of Facebook updates that I got from her, and like she threw herself at me. And I was like, no, no one's kidding you. Next set of updates I got, she's, like, going to Mexico with a new man and, like... It's, it's a story that you could tell over and over again. Yeah. So here, here's how it plays out, right? They start Tell complaining me. about little stuff on Facebook. Right. As soon as I see that, I just kind of end up blocking that stuff out. Okay. Um, because the next step is going to be the 30-year-old, 35-year-old girl out at the bar constantly with her friends doing all the selfie stuff. And then it's some life-changing transition event. In that case, it was selling nutritional drinks and going to the gym and posting about what they're eating healthy sure. all the time. It is such this disgusting culture that that this whole social media has created that is in your face all the time. Another thing that I want to talk about and t- staying on topic of, you know, money in your 30s and financials yeah. in your 30s is insurance. In my 20s, if I died, I didn't care. Like, my cat, <laughs> like, is going to pay the mortgage kind of thing. Mm-hmm. No one needed me in my 20s. But as you get in your 30s and 40s, people start needing you and... As you get in your you know, 20s and 30s, as you get older, you go from renter's insurance to homeowner's insurance. I'm petrified as a homeowner. Like I don't like people coming to my home because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get sued for something if a tree falls on them or if a dog bites them or that kind of thing. I, I changed the way I approached insurance as I got into my 30s. Yep. You need to call up your USAA and get more umbrella insurance if you're worried about that. I know. Is that why you don't invite me over anymore? I don't invite oh, you. Oh, I tripped o- on Rob's bl- stairs. You know, Oops. for the record, why I don't want to invite you over? Because you never show up. I, you okay. are you are such a like hey kind of guy. <laughs> Fonzie, am I Fonzie? Hey, I'm gonna go hit a jukebox. I'm like, hey, do you want to come over? <laughs> I'm go hit a hang jukebox. out and watch watch the football game. Hey, <laughs> and then I never hear from you again. And I do the double point at you, the, sh- <laughs> the, sh- the gun shooting. Hey, that's about right. Anyways, bringing it back to uh, 30s and 40s, it's so it's so easy to get started now. Um, but, I mean, if you just take those basic steps of always think about paying yourself first and stop accumulating depreciating assets. Okay. You're, you're totally right? right. I'm on insurance. Okay. So. So disability insurance then. Disability yeah. before life insurance. Everybody worries about, oh, my gosh, it's so dramatic if somebody dies. You know what's even more dramatic is if the sole breadwinner in a household can't work and bring home a paycheck. That happens way more common than mom or dad dying in their 30s. Which is interesting to bring up because 
I have a friend whose sister, how do I say this without being totally rude and without her totally knowing that I'm talking about her, um, her sister's kind of obese and she got a work disability and she will never go to work again because the state of California will pay her disability. Um, so she'll take an odd job to pay in cash, like dog sitting, but she refuses to ever go to work again because the state is giving her disability checks. And I'm like, that's not a lot of money. But she's kind of hooking up with her fat girlfriend and the two fat girlfriends like decide I'm not going to work. One of them has a great career and one of them doesn't. And and the only reason I bring up fat is because there's it, the laziness of not getting yourself in shape kind of plays into the laziness of not working. Yep. In in this example only. And again, it's a broad swath that I paint, but some people like disability. And you and I are like that 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 freaks me out. Like you have a disability insurance. I have a disability insurance that'll cover sixty percent of my income till I'm six years old. Right. Far greater chance that I get disabled than that, you know, um, I die. Especially me and the stuff that I like to do. Yeah. You do worry me. Yeah. So you go up in helicopters a little too often for my pleasure. <laughs> so over my comfort level. Just drop me off over there. See you in a few hours. That's, that's what how I like to do. How does that work when you go heliskiing? Oh, it's so much fun. It's fresh powder, of course. Yeah. And is that is that really that much of a difference? It is because you get to go on stuff that's fresh all day long rather than you, you know, you go to a normal mountain and anything in the, in the Cascades is tracked out by noon. Yeah. And so powder hound. It's great. I mean, you're sitting there, and the, the helicopter lands so literally out, on top of you, like that. You can reach out and touch the uh, um, what do you call the rails on them where they land. You can. You, that's how close it lands, right on top of you. Get in, you go up. They drop you off on a really little landing area. You strap in and head off. It's, so it's tracked out in skiing and snowboarding that bad of a thing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. There's so much difference between riding fresh powder and floating versus okay. tracked out cascade cement snow. Gotcha. It's CFP Chad Burton talking financial planning. We're kind of focusing in on your 30s. I don't know if it's making sense to you or not. You can drop me an email at rob at robblackshow.com. You can get downloadables, good, solid financial content at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Trying to reshape the eating habits of Americans. It's an investment theme. Tyson Foods, publicly traded, wants to make chicken a mainstream for breakfast, just like bacon. Tyson's the biggest chicken supplier out there, so it makes sense that they want to sell more chicken, right? Last year, they spent $8.4 billion to buy Hilser Brands, which also owns the Jimmy Dean sausage brand. Tyson's trying to you know, push breakfast staples that include chicken sausage with bits of apple and maple-flavored chicken patties. Chicken's not, it's, it's clearly the most popular meat in the United States, but it's not tied towards breakfast. 
over an average two-week period, only 4% of Americans had chicken for breakfast, compared with 82% who ate it for dinner. Pretty fascinating stuff, CFB, Chad Burton. Like, you and I both think Starbucks is a great, you know, investment concept because Americans, you know, in the morning go get coffee. You know, I, I can't stand my day until I have my coffee. Um, and it's a big investment theme. Mm-hmm. I mean, w- w- it may sound ridiculous that I said it just the way I said it, but it's a big investment theme that people are, you know, they, it's ingrained in their head that they have to have coffee to start their day. Um, and now Starbucks, for what it's worth, they're like, we want to start selling alcohol at night and we want to start selling, you know, some drinks late afternoon to get people in because it's also ingrained. Like, you don't do lunch meetings anymore. You meet for coffee. Right. None of the martini, you yeah. know, three martini lunches that maybe I mean, our fathers used to do. But I miss those days. <laughs> I mean, even in my industry, the, the whole golfing thing. Is I, it dying I, off? I don't even like golf, to tell you the truth. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy it when I play it, but it's 18 holes or nine holes. It's an all-day deal. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I think my clients expect me to be working for them and researching and working on their plans versus, hey, you want to go golfing? That's just kind of... With that said, you've done a ski trip or two publicly noted on your Facebook page during a work day. Well, of course. I take vacations. During the work day. You're like, woohoo, it's 11 o'clock, I'm going skiing. It's a board meeting. It's yeah. called a board meeting. I'm with you. Anyway, um, do you do chicken for breakfast, or are you you're a bacon guy? I've done some, uh, Trader Joe's has some really good chicken sausage. Okay. That every once in a while I do, but a lot of egg whites. Yeah, you're an egg white about guy. a cup of egg whites at least a day. Now, why not the whole egg? Um, the, just, you don't get a lot out of the yolk, so I just want the protein. Okay. And, uh, yeah. I recently learned a new way to scramble eggs, and this is fascinating because I'm a 40-year-old-plus man, <laughs> and you think that scrambling eggs is just like put them, crack them, take a fork, and whip them. You're not supposed to whip them anymore. You're supposed to break the yolk so that it runs and then scramble them that way so that you kind of get some egg white. And get some yolk, so you get different flavors while you're eating. Mm. Just throwing that out there Good for you. Know. Yeah. Know. Yeah. So uh, we're kind of talking about investing in your 30s. Um, and some of the things, you know, advance your career. Network. Do everything you can to get as much money as you can as far as salary goes from age 20 to 60. That's not greed. That's telling you that, you know, if you make $100,000 a year for 40 years, that's $4 million. Well, that, I that's a kind of, I'm not going to say an average or a norm, but $4 million isn't a grotesque amount of money. It's a large sum of money, but you only work from age 20 to 60 once in your life, and maximizing your income is really important. Changing your insurance, and Chad and I talked about disability insurance being critically important. I like going with the higher deductibles, and I don't like using my insurance. Um. I know it's good. And if you do, and that, that will save you a lot of money over time, but if you do go with the higher deductibles, it's really important, again, to have those emergency reserves in case you end up having to pay a higher deductible. Right. Right? Sorry. So that's kind of the foundation. That's that before anything else is a six months emergency reserves. And if if you're going to spend it when you see it, you don't want it in your normal bank account, go to bankrate.com and open up an online money market account. So it's not in your face all the time. So it's off in the distance. Don't even download the app. Just have the money there. And if you spend it because you see it, there's a problem. There is a problem. You're, I mean, and I think most do, unfortunately, Rob. I think very few households have an emergency reserve. That's crazy. So, like, to me, I, I, 
even if it's not a true emergency fund, like I like having my bank account at $10,000 because then that's my emergency fund per se. Yeah. And when it's under $10,000, i am like, ooh, I'm poor. Like it, my psychology kicks in like, get it back up, get it back up, get it back up, transfer money. And then the next thing these people come in, you know, when we do these investor one-on-one events where we try to give people the building blocks to do this stuff on their own, right? And they come in and they're worried about which individual stock to buy or whether AMD is going to outperform Intel and they haven't even put enough money in their 401k to get the match. Is AMD even still publicly traded? I don't know. It's uh, not one that I... Yeah. <laughs> that's a, I think? I think <laughs> you and I are starting to get old. That, that's... You, wow. The, so the, you don't even need to buy individual stocks until you've maxed... You got $18,000 that you can put into your 401k now, right? Yeah. AMD is still publicly traded. Yeah. Yeah. Have uh, I haven't looked at that stock in five years. And that chart right there that you're looking at will tell you why you haven't looked at it. That's a five-year chart that's gone from $10 to 250 Right. Wow. Okay, back to you. So, you know, people are looking for the silver bullet stock to buy when if you if you put a dollar into your 401k, the entire dollar goes to work. If you take a dollar home to invest it in an individual stock, you only have 60 cents left over after you pay the taxes. How is that individual stock going to outperform? Are you going to be that smart? Really? Come on. Max out your 401k, max out your Roth IRA, pay off all your non-mortgage debt. You do, and budget correctly, you do all those things before you need to hire a financial advisor. And if you start off buying just total stock market indexes for your first $100,000, you get that broad-based exposure, you build a base in your investment program. It's really that easy. I mean, you just have to have a little bit of discipline. One of the things I tell people in their 30s is now is the time to grow up and start saving 15% of your salary. Mm-hmm. In your 20s, you could say 5, 10%. You're, 10. You're, I mean, you got to be at 10 or more if you want to retire at 65. Right. But in your 20s, it's you're kind of training wheels mm-hmm. on saving and investing, and people are freaked out by the whole concept. So I say, just start. Yeah. You know, 5 to 10. 10 is the right mathematical answer, but 5 is better than 0, and it gets you ready for that 15% jump that you're going to have to make. Yeah. Um, with and if, you're t- if, if you don't know what to invest into, let's say you get to the point where you're able to open up a Roth IRA and put in 200 bucks a month, okay. 300 bucks a month, you know, um, something like that. You can go now. I mean, before I'd say go to a brokerage account, open up a, an account and buy total stock market ETFs. Mm-hmm. Now you have robo-advisor options. Robo-advisor. robo yep. Domo arigato, Mr. Roboto. Domo. Yep. That's the one. And, and so you can actually open up for free. Uh, I so love that. Well, not for free, but for extremely low costs, a very diversified. And we're even coming out with one at newfocusfinancial.com. You'll be able to see it there to get people started and going. It's, it's so much cheaper even than diversified funds were when I got in the business to do it because of technology. Technology makes it cheaper. You will get to a point, though, where that's not enough. When you get to the point where you have ESVP, stock options, you have kids that you're trying to plan for college, you're trying to prioritize your goals between your retirement and college, when do you start exiting instead of stock options versus non-qual versus ESPPs, and you start building wealth in different areas and you have tax issues, that's when you need a certified financial planner. And you don't need the ones that sell insurance because they're going to sell you insurance and life insurance as investments before anything else because they need to get paid. Sure. Go to people. If you don't have enough assets to hire a wealth manager that will charge you based on the assets that they're managing, and for that you get the financial planning, so you get both, you need an hourly planner. Somebody that will, you can go in and say, okay, I need a five-year plan. Let's sit down for, you know, two or three hours and you spend another five hours building me a plan and There's I will follow it. Two things I want to talk about that you just brought up. You talked about people in their 30s starting having kids and saving for their kids' college. Mm-hmm. 
one of the biggest mistakes I see are people who are 45 years old and they want to save their kid. I'm like, what about you? Like I have a neighbor who's got a, a daughter that they adopted and they're all focused on saving money for her. I'm like, what about you? And like, she works for the state. I'm like, you should probably maximize that pension that the state's going to give you. Like stay as long as you can to get as much as you can. Cause she hasn't saved for her. She hasn't saved for her own retirement. So her whole retirement's going to be that pension. Yeah. And, but she's, her focus is my kid, my kid, my kid. And, I'm, and I'm you not, know what that is breeding is it's a generation of entitlement because the kid's going to grow up and they see that, oh, I've been put before even my own parents' retirement, so I'm more important. I deserve this. Isn't like the whole Medea complex? Like, shouldn't we just like throw our kids off the boat the moment we have give them birth to them and like you're on your own? Good luck. Yeah. Like, the best thing you can do is display a really hardcore work ethic to your kids and realize that you're going to have to pay for yourself because yeah. I didn't have anybody that paid for my college. So you can I, do it. What I want it's dis- more expensive now, but it's just inflation. What I want to display is like a smoking jacket, walking around with no pants on. <laughs> <laughs> you're that guy at the maybe, gym. Maybe a long... You're that guy at the gym in the locker room that we keep talking about. Maybe a long, skinny cig- uh, cigarette. <laughs> no, in the holder. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> get my 50s yeah. reference. Yeah, I like it. Um, okay, another mistake, though. Okay, not only do people get too caught up in saving for their quote-unquote kid, but they put post way too many pictures of their ugly kid on Facebook. That's um, all that Facebook is for is for your kids. Pictures. If I don't put them there, I'm not going to have a record of what happened. But also something between the 20s <laughs> yep, and 30s. <laughs> between your 20s and your 30s. I know for me that I became, I was too tech focused in my 20s. So I text doc, text doc, text doc. I'm like, screw you, Warren Buffett. Like, t- I'm going tech stocks. Yeah, and but it, you also saw when there was no revenues and you said, tech is dead, tech is dead. Right. But the whole concept is in your 30s start to diversify because you're no longer going to always be right and you're going to get humbled at some point in time so do diversify total stock market indexes internationally and in the US okay don't talk I want to listen to some I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. I'm honored and pleased to be sitting with CFP Chad Burton. He brings a lot of intelligence to the show. Um, I think I bring a lot of street cred to the show because I'm kind of like a gang member of financial information. Kind of like a blood, kind of like a crip. I have a Cartman hat. So someone knitted me a Cartman hat. Yep. A beanie. To say, start up, cash in, bro down. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> I think so many great lessons, life lessons, have been taught on South Park. I, <laughs> you know what I feel bad about South Park? I kind Park? of agree with you. It's funny because they do throw some. I think it's the, one of the greatest cartoons of all time. I think it's one of the greatest TV shows of all time. And it doesn't get any respect because it's kind of got a little you know, dirty mouth thing going. Right. And uh, Simpsons, I think, one of the most overrated cartoons of all time. Like, everyone's like, that's a genius show. Like, no, it's okay. But what South Park is able to do, like, one week after an event, they have a cartoon on, you know, mocking something that happened in the United States. And I think that's fantastic. Anyway, in your 30s, we're talking about in your 30s. Time to get your credit fixed. In your 20s, you're going to make a mistake. You're going to miss a credit payment, credit card payment. You're going to be like, bills, schmills. You're going to make a mistake. You've made a mistake with your credit in your 20s, didn't you? No, actually, I didn't. Oh, I did. I never had a credit card. I had uh, paid all my student loans. Okay. But, you know, I started working in this career when I was in college, so. Which, okay, I was a little bit different. Yeah. You know, it kind of went into the, the big career and then changed careers after that. And yeah. that transition left me a little cash flow negative because I thought, again, money led to love. Um, so I'd always been big on women in my life, like, hey, let's go to Miami. And then you get into a little credit card issue. And like, I remember the credit card company calling me up and saying, you know, we need money. And I was like, he's dead. <laughs> I swear on everything that's important to me. I once told a credit card company that I died. Stop calling. He's dead. How did the other line sound? They didn't believe me. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I'm sure they hear that all the time. You know, if you um, right now there was a, an article just recently in Forbes, which was, and now I've got a great credit rating. Just so you know, six twenty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guy just heard a rib. Oh, oh man. Okay, it's not even funny, but we laugh at it because we're in money. <laughs> right, yeah, ten financial commandments for your thirties. Number one, advance your career. We talked about that already, right? Number two, rethink your budget. We did that. You established I'm, your budget. I'm using your 20s. that. Yeah, that's my cheat oh, sheet okay. for this whole segment, go. this whole hour. Good article. Just your insurance coverage. We talked about that. Increase your deductibles, right? But if you do that, you have to have your... You kept talking about emergency fund. Emergency fund. I'm yeah. Like, stick with a script. It's a foundation. We'll get there. Oh, yeah, because that's the number five on the list. So I'm yeah. jumping to number five. Right. To me, that's number one. You can't do this other stuff unless you have your emergency reserve set up. Really? You think that's not all that important? Because it's a financial house of cards. If you don't have that and you have something like a short-term unemployment situation, a short-term disability, none of this other stuff works, right? It, you have to have that backup. If you can't afford a full-on disability policy, there are some decent options through like an AFLAC. Um, so think about it. Look at that, dude. <laughs> Stop pointing at the exercise commercial. Infomercial. <laughs> I, can't, I can't focus. I, There's been an infomercial that's been running all hour. I'm fascinated with it. It's a Zumba 1995 where they're selling a little round disc. It's like it's like they cut off the bottom of a bucket and right. just laid it on the ground. And you step on it every once in a while. And they're selling it for 1995, and I'm fascinated by that. That's part of the mistakes that you make in your 20s and 30s. Gym memberships, and you get into them, and you never use them. Like, I shower at my gym every day to make sure. Like, I don't shower. i, I got to be careful what I say here. I shower at my gym every day to make sure that I use my gym membership. And the weird thing is that it's like five times a day. So you just show up five times a day and shower there. No, five you're, times you're, a week. You're that guy. Uh, <laughs> I will say this, that I'm now getting to become, I'm now becoming the old guy at the gym. I'm not right now, but in like 10, 15, 20 years, I could see myself being the old guy who just sh stands around with shaving cream on his face. <laughs> naked, <laughs> naked. <laughs> Walk around with shaving cream on my face. It's like, 
Dude, are you going to shave? <laughs> yeah, it's... Okay, Jim thinks you should not do. Don't weigh yourself naked in front of everybody else. That's Why? weird. Why? It's weird. Are you, Why is it weird? Are you, are you going to be... Should you do it with fully clothed? You go to a wrestling tournament or a boxing event where you have to make a certain weight? Hmm. Weigh yourself naked at home. Shave naked at home. Don't shave naked at a public place. It's just odd. You're a creep if you're the guy doing that. Just... You know what I just learned? need this to be out of all gyms across America. Every 24-hour fitness I go to as I travel, it's, there's always that guy. The one that kills me is the guy who eats in the steam room. <laughs> I have not seen that one yet. <laughs> this guy, he was eating celery in the steam room. Oh, man. Like, I don't know. I got some, like, I got some creepy... Like, I like keeping my eyes closed in the steam room. I'm going to bring some wings. <laughs> I'm going to have... Some buffalo wings and blue cheese, and I'm just going to take it to the steam room. Got to keep the food hot. <laughs> I, think, I think you knew Juliet. Did you know Juliet when I was dating her? No, no, that's when you lived in Virginia, right? Okay. So on our very first date, she would, we got buffalo wings, and this girl would put a wing in her mouth, and nothing but bone would come out. <laughs> I'm like, this is going to be a great- I will marry her. This is going to be a great relationship. <laughs> I'm like, how did she do that? I'm not one of those people who can clear a wing down to the bone. Like, I, there's meat morsels sticking to it when I'm finished. Yeah, there's some grisly stuff you don't necessarily want. She was able to suck it all off. Like, <laughs> you know, that's fine in your 20s, but she's probably huge now. Because <laughs> that'll eventually catch up with you. Do you know why we broke up? Because she became a, veg- no, because she became a vegetarian. <laughs> she gave up the, the chicken wings. You're like, I'm, I'm done. It was tough. I'm, I, I I eat meat. And when you try to cook for a loved one, like, you're making two separate meals, and, like, it just became a process. And, like, I My wife was a vegetarian when I met her. She's not anymore. Does she eat chicken I turned wings? her. Uh, yes. Fire on the Mountain in the Northwest in, in Portland. They have three best wings ever. Find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.